0: Good evening, this is Aliska van Voort for Salt & Light on Radio Take A Book. Tonight on the studio with us we have Dr. Peter Hammond and we are dealing with John 4 verse 35 where Jesus said, Open your eyes and look at the field. Dr. Hammond, is the Great Commission already fulfilled and what is the state of the field?
1: Well, the Great Commission most certainly is not fulfilled, although there's been phenomenal progress made, but still, just taking Operation World... Operation World points out that there are 237 countries in the world, but at least 12,000 ethno-linguistic people groups in the world. So, when you look at the world, you mustn't just look at countries and say, "Oh, we have a missionary in China, we have a missionary in India." Well, there's about a billion people in China and a billion people in India, but. We have a mission in Indonesia, but there's 1,300 language groups in Indonesia. There Mm are 480 language groups in Nigeria, which is the largest nation, they say, in Africa. But, of course, it's not a nation. It's many nations. It's a a massive country. Mm -hmm. And in Sudan, there's 144 languages. Just in the Nuba Mountains in central Sudan, there's 50 languages or more. Mm -hmm. Uh, And right now, we have got 66 countries in the world which have restrictions on religious belief and persecution of Christians. And that includes 400 million Christians. 400 million Christians do not enjoy religious freedom today and are persecuted. And so if you look at the world today, we have got something in the region of 42 Muslim countries, Mm -hmm. seven communist countries, four Buddhist countries, two Hindu countries. And when you... Look at just the needs in some of these countries. Just in Africa, do you know that we've got a whole series of countries in in Africa which do not even have a single, um, uh, uh, do not even have an effective uh, Christian church? So there Mm. are countries in in Africa with under 1% evangelicals, including Mauritania, Morocco, Libya, Tunisia, Comores, Djibouti, Niger, Senegal, Somalia. Algeria, Gambia, Guinea, Guinea Guinea-Bissau, Mali. In Somalia, they burned the last church and killed the last pastor back in 1993, just before the um, American invasion there and all that happened in that episode. And so there's many countries in Africa that don't have a strong church. But Mm. do you know, of the 500 million people in Africa who call themselves Christians, over 100 million Churchgoers in Africa don't even have a Bible or New Testament, not even a New Testament for a hundred million churchgoers in Africa. So, mm. if people look and say, "Well, I think the Great Commission's fulfilled," they haven't looked at the fields very carefully. And what they need to do is go through Operation World, country by country, and see: Wow, a lot's been done, but there's enormous amounts still to be done.
0: Yes, and that is so important for us to realize what is a nation, what's the difference between a nation and these people groups. So when we look at Cape Town, how can we reach out? Is there a mission field here for us as well?
1: There most certainly is. I mean, just mention, mentioning the fact of Somalia, that Somalia is a country without a Christian church. Somalia is a country with much less than 1% even claim to be Christians. In fact, we know in one year there were 12 people from the official religion uh, who were stoned to death for converting Mm -hmm. to Christianity. So uh, there's no religious freedom. But we have Somalian communities in Cape Town. We have people from restricted access countries, countries where you couldn't even take the gospel legally or openly uh, throughout the world in Asia and Africa, where you've got the communities in Cape Town. We've got large communities. And understanding the concept of nation is a key part because when the Lord commanded us in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, to make disciples of every nation, the word he used was ethne, mm-hmm. from which we get the word ethnic from or ethno-linguistic. And so the Great Commission is not merely to take the gospel to every one of the 230-odd countries in the world, but to each of the at least 12,000 ethno-linguistic people groups or tribes mm-hmm. in the world. And so, unfortunately, many people today are confused about the concept of nations because many people use the word nation, state and country interchangeably, but that's not very accurate. Mm. So uh, one of the confusions could be that there's a group of state representatives in New York calling themselves the United Nations, who, Mm. of course, neither united nor nations, Mm. uh, because most of the leaders there are not exactly having any legitimacy. Uh, Most of those in the United Nations are not actually even elected and have no Um, legitimacy with uh, any electorate. Uh, So when you look at the concept that at one time people referred to the Soviet Union as a nation Mm. and yet the Soviet Union has 128 different ethnolinguistic people groups and it broke up into 15 different republics in 1991 and that was actually considered a good thing when Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, Ukraine, Belarus, Armenia, Georgia, many others broke away, Kazakhstan, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan. Mm. And uh, these had at one time been considered one nation, Russia. Mm. But in fact, they're not. And so same with Yugoslavia, same with Czechoslovakia. They, they broke up. In the Bible, we see that a nation is an ethno-linguistic people group of a shared faith. For example, mm. the Hebrews remained Hebrews even after 480 years in Egypt. They didn't become Egyptians. Even after mm. 480 years in Egypt. And so mm. we're not just geographic accents, but demographic descendants. And so the scripture emphasizes, as you can see in Revelation 5 verse 9, that at the end of time all the families of the nations of the earth will sing his praises in every language and tongue. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals for you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every nation. So this should inspire missions and guide us when we understand that God wants people of every tribe, language, and nation to hear the gospel. We can't just think in terms of countries. Hmm. We must think in terms of ethno-linguistic people groups, and this is basically missions 101. And if hmm. you look at that, you've got to understand that missions has changed, demographics has changed. For example, if you just look at Detroit, which is where many motor cars come from, Henry hmm. Ford, Model T, but... Today, do you know that there's a quarter of a million Arabs living in Detroit? There are 40,000 Iraqis living in Detroit. Mm. In Sao Paulo, Brazil, how many people would realize there's a million Japanese people living in Sao Paulo, Brazil? (laughs) In Buenos Aires, Argentina, a city of 8 million, 10% of the churches are Korean-speaking. And in Marseille, France, a city of 2 million inhabitants, 31% are from Africa, mostly of Arab origin, mostly Muslim. In Minneapolis, St. Paul, there's 136 languages and more than 70 ethnic groups represented. It's Mm -hmm. a university city. I've been there many a time and ministered in universities. And there's more than a half a million people living in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis, St. Paul, in Minnesota, America, who are foreign-born immigrants. Mm -hmm. Do you know there's more Buddhists living in the Twin Cities than Assemblies of God adherents in the whole state of Minnesota? And – when you look at Chicago, we think of Chicago, you think of the gangsters, you think of Al Capone. Uh, you might think that there's a lot of Irish people there. Well, yes. Uh, but, you know, there's more Bulgarians living in Chicago than Bulgarians live in the capital city of Bulgaria, Sofia. Now, I've ministered in Sofia, Bulgaria. But, mm. but this is the result of globalism. And mm. so in globalism, it's not just that we go to the mission field, but the mission field has come to us. Mm. So now if we open our eyes... It's no longer that mission fields are only across the oceans and deserts and mountains. Many have moved literally into your own neighborhood. Mm. And so uh, the frontiers of missions are not just geographically distant, but they're culturally different, but they're literally on your doorstep.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's so interesting, as you say, that if we open our eyes and actually look at the field, I think… Living in religious freedom like we are, it can often be blinding to the field. We don't realize there is still persecution and the Great Commission is not fulfilled because we have all this religious freedom around us. And um, we should not treat the Great Commission like it's the Great Suggestion. And it's easy to do that when we are blinded to what's actually going on. Um, Even in 2017, I read in Open Doors, there was 3,000 people recorded that they were killed for their faith. That's not even the unofficial numbers, that's the amount that is recorded. Mm. So actually, people being killed for their faith is still a reality, like you mentioned with the Somalis. Um, so how would you say, what what is the biggest threat to us as Christians or the biggest fear that we have? Um, why are we not sharing our faith here in this freedom that we
1: have? I think we get distracted. Mm. Getting distracted by Hollywood and by the lamestream media and getting distracted by the different crises that are popped up. I mean, uh, just to put things into perspective, in the nineteen sixties, I remember that the big, 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 big thing was we're running out of oil. There's going to be mm-hmm. no oil in ten years. By nineteen seventy, we'll have run out of oil, and all of no cars will be able to work. Mm-hmm. In the nineteen seventies, the big thing was global uh, uh, freezing. We're heading into a new ice age. And they were literally talking in Rhodesia, 1970s, that uh, in 10 years' time, according to all this, that people would be ice skating on uh, Lake Kariba and mm-hmm. uh, uh, Victoria Falls will be frozen. And uh, the, the, the whole world's going to get covered in ice. That's what the big thing, front of Time Magazine, Aulis, lots of newspapers mm-hmm. show, they have show us in the classrooms films of blizzards in Norway This is coming to the whole world, even the equator. Uh, and uh, then in 1980s, what was the 1980s? I think it was acid rain. Acid rain's going to kill all the crops and we're all going to starve to death. That's the 80s. 90s, it was the ozone layer. Because we're using aerosol cans, the ozone layer is getting bigger and bigger. We're all going to get skin cancer. We're all going to die. Uh, from the year 2000, well, of course, there's Y2K that uh, there's going to be this crisis. And uh, at the stroke of midnight, uh, 31st of December mm-hmm. 1999, every airplane's going to crash, every car's going to come to a halt, uh, there's going to be no water or electricity, and everything's going to collapse because of Y2K, because of this computer bug, because it's going to roll over to zero, zero. Mm-hmm. And people believed this. I mean, th- this, this was a lot of panic. And then mm. since 2000, it's been new global warming and in fact they were saying uh, such as Al Gore there's going to be no ice at the polar ice caps by 2013 by 2013 every city in the world that's close to the ocean is going to be underwater, Uh, most of the cities are going to be swamped by water because all the polar ice caps are going to be melted there's going to be no ice at the north pole because of global warming now Mm -hmm. none of these things have happened of course and of Mm -hmm. course right now we're involved in in a a virus panic but all Mm -hmm. over the world Over the years, now, I'm only 61 years old, but in my time, I've seen that regularly there's a major crisis that distracts a lot of people and puts a lot of fear in people. Mm. And yet, none of these things happen, but they all resulted in massive extra taxes and expenses, Mm -hmm. and they all resulted in a lot less freedoms and a lot Mm -hmm. more government and international government control. Mm -hmm. And uh, once you've, you've gotten suckered into this, it's hard to get it back. So, for example, when we were told we were in the worst droughts in living memory four years ago, they increased the water tariffs in Cape Town 800%, which have not been rescinded yet. We're still paying 800% for our water uh, because of the drought which ended four years ago. Mm-hmm. And this this is the way governments tend to work. They they will find a crisis, uh, real or imagined or exaggerated, and uh, then that will result in increased taxes, less freedoms for you, more powers for them, and even once a crisis passed or proved to not be anything close to what they said it would be, uh, you don't get your freedoms back very easily. And Mm. so as Christians, we need to learn not to be distracted. The world's going to come up with no end. There's always a crisis. Mm. But God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And as Christians, we need to keep the main thing the main thing. Mm. What's our highest priority on earth? To worship God to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength, to love our neighbors, ourselves. to fulfill the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. Christ's last command should be our first concern. And so for every Christian, in every situation, in every generation, it doesn't matter what the world's screaming about at that moment Mm -hmm. or trying to focus our attention on, Mm -hmm. nothing is more important than the fulfillment of the Great Commission of our Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Mm. Yes, it makes me think of something um, John Piper wrote, that missions exist because worship does not exist everywhere. And that is why we need to bring the Great Commission to those places where it is not yet. And even around us in Cape Town, you see with so many liberal mindsets and, as you say, so many distractions and an endless amount of problems being thrown at us to distract us from the worship and from living to the glory of God. Um, We should continue to keep our eyes on Jesus. And how would you say... What is the first steps or practical ways that we can do that to not get distracted by the world or even by friends or family who get annoyed at you for being that Christian?
1: Bible before breakfast. First things first. Let's get into the Word of God. Let's read through the Word of God. It's far more important to read the Bible every day than to read the news headlines, Mm -hmm. much of which is actually exaggerated, distracted, or or even irrelevant, sorry to say. Uh, But the Bible is always up to date. And so first and Mm -hmm. foremost, we need to be Bible Christians and we need to have a world vision. Without a vision, a people perish. So as Christians, Mm -hmm. we've got to remember, what are we doing here? Why are we here? What is our highest priority? And surely our highest priority is to make disciples of all nations, teach obedience Mm -hmm. to all things God has commanded. Now, of course, that's the vision for the whole church. But some people say, well, well, what about me? Mm -hmm. Right? Well, we are commanded to be at least witnesses. Every Not every Christian is called to be a missionary across the world, hmm. across the boundaries and the oceans and the mountains, but we all called to be a witness wherever we are. Hmm. We may not be going across the border, but we can go across the street. Mm-hmm. And so in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we get a very key verse, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria and to the utmost parts of the earth. So there we have a summary of actually the book of Acts. The book of Acts mm-hmm. is showing how the how the power came down in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost and how they went out. And in fact, the very first manifestation of the Holy Spirit was the ability to speak in languages understood by people from all over the world. And this just showed that the power of the Holy Spirit's given, not for our selfish enjoyment, but to make us more effective and more empowered for evangelism and world missions. It was in a missionary context. Pentecost, the church was born in the context of evangelism and outreach and reaching every nation, tribe, tongue, and language. And so uh, in missiology terms, we Mm -hmm. look at this and we say in Acts 1 verse 8, we get the the primary forms of mission. So you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's E zero. There's no boundaries crossed. Mm -hmm. In Jerusalem is where you live. People speak your language. They understand your culture. It's the same geographic area. You don't even have to travel very far. It's right here. Mm. So that's evangelism. Not missions, but it's evangelism. Everyone should be involved in evangelism. Easy zero. Mm. Mission starts at E1. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea. Now mm. Judea is a different area. It's mm. not far away. It's the same culture. It's the same language. It's even the same religion. Uh, but it's geographically a bit distant. So that's e one that's mm-hmm. the first type of missions we just moved to another area now e2 is samaria you'll be my witness in jerusalem in judea and in samaria now samaria is a different culture different religion and it's geographically not too far away but um it's you've got to cross a few boundaries to get them mm-hmm. and then you'll be my witnesses in jerusalem and judea and samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth now that's mm-hmm. e3 that's when you're crossing all the boundaries That is, for example, if you are going to Thailand, to Buddhist people in Asia now, you're crossing linguistic barriers, geographic barriers, cultural barriers, religious barriers. In fact, there's all the barriers there involved. Now, that's what most people understand as classic missions. Mm -hmm. But we need to understand it's, it's E0, E1, E2, E3. So there's different levels of missions. And home missions is when you're reaching people close by. So you can, for example, go... To some communities in Cape Town, now let's say, for example, you go to Masapumalele. Masapumalele is not that far away. It's near Nordhook. But in there, there's Somali communities. Now, the Somalians, their home country may be a restricted access area. You may not be able to go there legally as a missionary. Mm. There may not be a single church here, But you in Cape Town can go and you can reach people in Masapumalele who are Somalians. You can go up to... Uh, and there's Somalian communities up there too, mind you. Mm. I've come across Somalian communities in Wellington, and mm. so right near Africa Institute and uh, the Andrew Murray um, statue. So yeah. just to bear in mind the fact that you don't necessarily anymore have to go as a career missionary to another part of the world to be involved in cross-cultural evangelism and missions because home missions has moved into our neighborhood or a neighborhood next to us. And that's why, as Christians, to be good witnesses for Christ, we need to be Mm. trained. We need to understand other worldviews, other cultures, other religions. We need to understand areas of commonality and agreement, areas of disagreement, how to answer their questions, how to ask questions that will get them thinking, Mm. how to present a biblical Christian worldview and the gospel of Christ in a meaningful, understandable way to people from a completely different culture, mindset, religious background, with Mm. maybe very different um, uh, views of the world. And if we don't look at the fields and if we don't understand the issues, we Mm. can't be very effective witnesses for Christ, even in our neighborhood these days.
0: Mm, Yeah. Bible before breakfast is what you first mentioned. And then living a good Christian life where we are, even at our workplaces and so on, as you mentioned, we can come across people who are, or you used to be people where you would have to cross borders for. And um, that is such a gift, actually, coming from God, bringing these people here. We don't have to go far. We can do any career and still be a faithful witness, faithful disciple. And Christ do call us to pick up the cross. What would be some good resources that we can use if we have a vision to do this in any work that we do?
1: Yes, well, of course, first and foremost, Operation World. When you read Operation World, this is the intercessory handbook for every nation on earth. It's the ultimate missionary intercessory handbook. And so Operation World, in fact, led to the birth of our mission. Our frontline mm-hmm. Fellowship grew out of a daily Bible study and prayer fellowship where we were mm-hmm. praying through uh, Operation World, amongst other things, working our way through the Bible. And we saw, and I remember it so distinctly in all-night prayer meeting, and I was praying Uh, On my knees in the front of the chapel and there came up Mozambique, the least evangelized country in the Southern Hemisphere. Mm. Not one Bible for a thousand people, nobody under 18 allowed in church, no one allowed to be baptized under the age of 18, no missionaries in Mozambique. And uh, uh, Mm. my heart was stirred, my mind was uh, really challenged and I thought, Mm -hmm. I could take Bibles into Mozambique. In fact, at that time, the Jesus form had just come out, 1980, and so I thought, let's get hold of Jesus' from in Portuguese and take it to Mozambique and maybe it's involved, available in Shungan too. And So the whole vision came from looking at the fields, which is what Operation World does, mm-hmm. praying for the fields, and then mm-hmm. God leading us to put feet to our faith. So I think praying through Operation World, and by the way, they've got a great website too, so you can go on to opworld.org and mm-hmm. uh, you'll see a whole lot of great information about different countries. But getting the book, it's some thousand page doorstopper, but Mm. what a resource for any church, any prayer group uh, to pray through Operation World. Of course, getting on the mailing list of different missions Mm -hmm. and being able to uh, get uh, their newsletters, that helps to be focused in different Mm. fields and getting a burden for some fields. Reading missionary biographies. When we read the biographies of missionaries like Mary Slessor, William Carey, Mm -hmm. David Livingston, uh, CT stud wow, it's so inspiring. Hudson Taylor, when mm. when you get these examples of excellence, it shows you first of all that there's no mold. God, God uses all kinds of different people and characters mm. and personalities and backgrounds. And uh, when a person thinks, ex- "But you know, I'm not like Billy Graham." Well, <laughs> you don't need to be. God only needs one of each, and mm. uh, He wants you to be a unique witness. And you've got strengths and and a particular a uh, focus that would make you more effective for certain tasks than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think that's so key. Getting Looking at the fields includes reading the missionary biographies, reading the prayer letters, maybe inviting guest speakers from different missions to come to your church, but get, uh, watching some of the films on the mission field, there's some good ones that are out there. And mm-hmm. when we get an understanding of the needs, for example, we just produced recently the Missions to the New Mountains of Sudan film, which is a good short 14-minute get an understanding of one of the most needy mission fields in Africa today, one of the most remote communities up in the Nuba Mountains of Sudan. When you get people coming and explaining to you, such as David Livingston, he was preparing to be a doctor to China. Mm -hmm. And along came Robert Moffat and gave a missionary presentation in London about the smoke of a thousand villages that have not Mm -hmm. yet heard the name of Christ. And David Livingston directed his whole life's work to Africa as a result of one missionary presentation, which God used to say, this is where I want you. And praise God that he did. So uh, that's the first thing. Look at the fields. Get the newsletters, get the books, learn, read, invite missionary speakers around. And what a difference that could make.
0: Yes, yes. Pray for missionaries as well, as you mentioned. Um, Also, the Operation World app Application you can download it on your phone and it has all the pages of the book, and you can search by country, and mm-hmm. read what is the prayer requests, what's the history of the nation, and so on on your phone. Wow. So the Operation World app you can download it in place too, um, and then just on what you said, God doesn't need um, everyone to be the same. He don't use one mold, but He equips everyone for different fields. Where you are placed is where you are placed by God. And um, he's wanting you to use that and the opportunities that he gives you there to witness to him. And so he does not call the equipped, but he equips the called.
1: Mm.
0: How are some more ways we can equip ourselves?
1: Well, there is a Great Commission course coming up on the 25th of June, It is a three-week intensive practical missionary training program focused on cross-cultural missions in particular. Now, the Great Commission, course, has been going for 23 years. Every year, Mm -hmm. um, starting in 1998, uh, Frontline Fellowship, who's been working for 39 years throughout 38 countries of the world and uh, as far north as Sudan and Egypt, as far west as Nigeria, Frontline Fellowship's missionary experience has enabled – us to devise and design a missions training program that's very practical. Because over the years, a lot of people have said, you know, we want to come on a short-term outreach. And we've often thought, well, but how prepared and how trained are they? Mm. So we decide to put both together so that the Great Commission course is both short-term missionary uh, training and it's also opportunity because every day there's practicals, there's outreaches, there's lectures, there's training, mm-hmm. there's physical training as well, there's hikes and uh, team buildings and workshops, and there's so many things need that uh, many people say, I never knew I could learn and experience so much or get mm-hmm. so fit in just three weeks. Mm-hmm. But this three-week Great Commission course is very hands-on. It's it's feet on the street, boots on, uh, and uh, if a person goes on to the www.frontlinemissionsa.org website, they'll see under events uh, the uh, Great Commission course and the details. And there's uh, some short videos of some previous uh, Great Commission courses that they can give mm-hmm. a bit of an idea of what's involved, read some of the responses of people who took part in previous ones and get an idea for the needs. But this is very, very practical and it's very intense and it stretches mm-hmm. minds and muscles. And a lot of folks who have come there have said it's the best course I've ever been on, mm-hmm. most important changing point in my life and uh, help many people get out of bad habits, start new habits like mm. daily devotions and uh, all that sort of thing. And uh, doing it in a group, it's, it's really helped. I think many people have had friendships that have lasted for life as a result. And so yeah. Great Commission course, it's in Cape Town. It's starting on the 25th of June, going to the 14th of July. And uh, if anyone is really keen on missions and you can spare three weeks, I think it can be one of the best investments you could make. It In it, it deals with so many things that I wish I knew when I started missions. It could have saved me a lot of grief, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of wasted time, a lot of cul-de-sacs, um, because uh, I think many people go into the field with good intentions, but for lack of good training and orientation, they don't succeed as easily or Sadly, many give up and discouragement. So this is designed to prepare people well so that they know the resources and they develop some of the skills uh, needed to not just survive but thrive in the mission field. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, it's a wonderful course that focuses on body, mind, and spirit and improving that for the Great Commission. And also we focus on different religions. How do you minister to the different religions even around you? And, um, yeah, I would just want to close with a verse from Romans 10. now that is Romans ten, verse from verse thirteen on. This was on John four, verse thirty-five, where Jesus said, "Open your eyes and look at the fields. May you be blessed and have a good night."